Hi, friends. Welcome to The Butter Dish. Before we dive in today's episode, just wanted to thank you and take a moment for being here with us at The Butter Dish. Heidi and I kind of can't believe that we've got a podcast, but whether it's episode one you're joining us for or 31, we are incredibly grateful for your open-mindedness, your patience with us, as well as your willingness to evolve and change the way that you think or consider the way that you think. So without further ado, we want to introduce you to episode 31 with our friend Amber Brzezicki of Biceps After Babies, where we talk all about quitting. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to our shows. We're going to do a group Q&A, which we were doing live for a little bit, and that was super fun, but it would be nice to get these up. I feel like people don't like rewatch lives like after they're done, and so like doing totally a, Q&A, a group Q&A, I thought would be super fun, and then we'll both post it, and it is what it is. How are you guys doing? How's everything going? We're all right. We're kind of freezing. We have like the fireplace going because, you know, in California, whenever it's like 56 degrees, it's like, we don't, we don't even know bring out your winter wear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a uh, we weren't here last year in Texas when they had that like crazy storm, but they were showing it on the news. And I'm not listen. I, it was terrible. I was people were without power. It was awful. But there was an element of like my North Jersey frozen tundra self that was like I was looking at the pictures of like it was on the news. It was like one millimeter of snow on the ground. And it was like it was like hell. Like it was like nobody oh. had power. Nobody had people are boiling their water. And, and, and I'm sure it was bad. I'm, I know. Actually, I had friends here. It was terrible. It was terrible. I hate to laugh. I'm not laughing at it. I'm glad that <laughs> it just like reminded me that like it's just like you, you people are like people are from different places, have different experiences. Totally. It's all about the infrastructure, right? Like yeah, I, in Utah, I, we had like one snow day growing up. It's like they never right. cancel for snow in totally. Utah. Yeah. Yeah. And you if it's snow here in California, year. no one would even know what to do. Yeah. Like you understand, like we don't they even have. actually have winter clothing. We have fashion winter clothing where we pretend <laughs> that we need clothes warm enough, but it's like have a pea coat. Why would you need a pea coat? You can have a faux so coat that yeah. has so the double-breasted buttons, but not really lined or anything yeah, yeah. like that. So true. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's been all right. Uh, so we got some fun questions. They're totally all over the place, but maybe that's what people like. Mm. Yeah, you want to... I have some that I think would be great for you. I have some that I might k- kick off with. And so you can kick off the question and we'll just decide who just answers it and we'll start there. All right. We'll toss one out to you first. I like how this is like a game. <laughs> so this was a joke, but someone said, ask Jordan if women should take creatine. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Did your head just explode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my face is super red. Like, it's hysterical. Uh, yes, women should take creatine. Everyone, should, Your grandmother needs to take creatine. Everyone should take creatine. <laughs> Uh, Yo, grandma needs creatine. <laughs> Yo, grandma need them cognitive benefits. Fact. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yes is the There's no reason. And in case people are wondering how much, when, like, start with like three to five grams. Yes, you need to take it daily. Yes, you don't stop. You just keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't stop because you're already having creatine all the time. You eat creatine in all of your like. Let's say you're not a vegan. You have plenty of creatine in every animal protein source that you eat. It's not something that you're like. It's not a weird non-natural, which also is nondescript, doesn't mean anything, but it's, it's, you eat it. You have it normally. You don't need to like, you're just giving your body the max that it can have, fully saturating muscles and all good things, no downsides. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes. If you would like to look better, please take creatine. Yep. If you want to get bloaty and so water, so watery, take creatine. No, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> if you want to just like totally like balloon up. Yeah, yeah. that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. yeah. If you want to feel stay puff. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Just joking, guys. Just kidding. Those are the rumors. I know. All the women now are like, we're not taking creatine ever. They said it. Yeah. Definitely take it. And honestly, I take the capsules because it's way easier. Yeah. Then if, I wasn't, make a if I wasn't protein. sponsored by Legion, I would tell you guys to take – I would just take the capsules. The caps, I did the capsules for a long time. I can – it's weird. I don't like, there were like four big horse capsules, right? I mean, they're like, they're massive. like horse pills. Yeah. Yes. And so I personally, it doesn't matter to me. I can ha- put, take down like 30 pills at once. And so it never mattered. But if that doesn't matter to you, that would be a reason if you want it as a tool to flavor your water, I think go with the flavored, I think creatine's, uh, the Legion one's great, but if you want a much cheaper one that is a capsule, the optimum nutrition is a really good option. Yeah. Awesome. Is that what, the one you get, use? Not that there's any difference in brand, by the way, they're all the same. Um, I like Amazon's. Yeah. Yeah. Generic. They have generic yeah. capsule ones on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think awesome. so. That's oh great. gosh, now I'll fact check myself. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably move look, on to a better question. I think they look yeah. like Doctor Mario too, which is even more fun. <laughs> Nobody knows that reference. Everyone's like, "What's Doctor Mario?" That's it's Nutricost creatine. Cool. Pardon. Oh, nice. Pardon. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Hold on. I get one. I get one. So uh, <laughs> I'll take. 
Shit. An easy question for four hundred, please. No, I, I'm throwing it. I'm throwing a super tough one at you guys first. Uh, how do you balance your mental health with your aesthetic goals? Now that we could do a whole podcast on that, so it's not like you just. That's why I'm gonna throw it to you first, though. How do you balance your mental health and with your aesthetic goals? By how it feels, honestly. <clears throat> um, I think I spent way too long in my life following um, the shoulds of other people and programs for other people and um, just kind of blindly following along with things. And um, I'm not doing that anymore (laughs) based on how it feels. If it's too stressful for me, I'm going to take a different approach or I'm going to figure out why I'm stressed. Um, because yeah, there, especially the lifestyle, the three of us live where you're, you are, you have your fitness goals, then you have your business and you have constantly creating content. And then you have, oh, that little thing called your life, um, can be challenging to balance it all. And it really, in all of those things, just like you need to pay attention to yourself when you're doing a heavy lift, you need to pay attention to yourself when you're going about your daily routine. How does it feel? If all of your healthy goals are making you feel worse, then there's your, your stress management balance is a little bit out of whack. We don't have to do all of the things all of the time, have it all figured out right now. That's like not a thing. So, um, small, simple improvements, set the bar at an achievable place, be proud of yourself. Um, make sure you're getting plenty of rest and recovery because that is going to impact not only your quality of life, but your ability to get fit or to get strong. I have to say for the first time since we, you know, started this whole thing, what it's been like six years that this last month and a half has probably been the first time I've prioritized my mental health over my aesthetic goals. Like I, you know, we were completely honest in like stories today. Like today was the very first Monday. We did a Monday this year. The last <laughs> like three Mondays or however Monday, many Mondays there's been since like Christmas time, we didn't go in. Uh, I just... I don't know that I've ever felt so burnt out <laughs> um, as I have the beginning of this year. Like we've we've walked more than we've lifted, and in all honesty, I think it's just the cum- accumulation of like six years of grinding for five days. You know, even though Jordan Lips will encourage you to do four days, you know, we are <laughs> definitely like five dayers, and it's caught up with us. And I think sometimes you don't know to like prioritize your mental mental health until it's become so destroyed that you're fully having to recover from it. And I think a lot of people beat themselves up like, oh, why, why am I not motivated anymore? Like what happened? I used to be so like, you know, in it and, and I can't get back there. It's like, because you're freaking burned out. Like I think some, a lot of people don't honor that about like, hey, I got, it's okay to take a break. Like this is my life. Like I'm, you know, 42, hoping to do this till at least 82. Like one or two months of like respecting my mental space and like being allowed to like, you know, rest and like figure out where I want to land is okay. Like I allowed to do that for myself, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't learn that until they're burned out. Yep. Well, I totally agree. I think maybe the contrast is what helps it bring it into focus, right? You, you don't know what you don't know until you know it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I think that uh, Heidi said something where it's like, if you're not having, you need to think about how you're feeling about, the actions that you're taking. And I, I was thinking of Jenna the other day. She was like having, she was like having an argument with herself, like working through this of, and it didn't sound like she was enjoying a lot of what we, what, what she was doing, the, her deficit or whatever it is. And it's like finding, taking a step back and thinking about, are these goals part of a positive thing in my life? Or are they something that I'm doing just to play catch up, to not feel bad about myself? Like, is it something, is it like, to feel like a daily checklist that I have to go through just to feel okay? Or is it a daily checklist of thing I'm doing that like make me feel better? And it's like puts it a little bit in this idealism of it needs to be amazing. You need to have fun all the time. That's not really fair. It's not really you don't need to be loving everything you're doing 24 seven. But on the net balance on an average day to day, like if you're like really not enjoying anything of it and it's something that you're doing because you feel you have to or so that you don't hate yourself, uh, you know, it shouldn't be crawling out of a bad place. That's not what fitness is for. It should be like trying to add positive things to your life. I feel like a lot of people are like, well, I'm doing this so that I don't feel in a negative way instead of a, I do this so that I do feel in a positive way. And I feel like that's like a a difference. And, and, you know, a lot of people identify so much, like how do you balance your mental health with your aesthetic goals by not combining them, you know, by not making them weigh on one another. And that's so easier said than done, but uh, you know, maybe just, Honestly, I, it's funny, literally just before we hit play on this, I just finished therapy. So I'm very introspective right now. Like, and so like, (laughs) um, just like taking a step back and, and just 
even just the identification of the fact that they are tied together is is helpful. Like how to unravel it is really nice part B to this conversation, but just recognizing that they are so tied together and then sitting with that and being like, how do I feel about the fact that they are tied together? Do I want to be that kind of person? Do I want my children to be that kind of people, you know? And so just sitting with that of like, am I, ident- am I you know, are these things too intertwined, you know? Oh, it's so, so well said. I mean, when we do kind of mindset or thought work coaching with people so often they, they want to do these things just, I just want to highlight what you said again. It's so good. Like they want to do these things or just not feel bad. That is a huge motivator for people, but you, and that's maybe step one in this whole self-awareness is letting go of the beliefs that, that make you feel that way. Um, but then it's hard to do that unless you have something else to turn to. And like, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel about your goals and your progress? Everybody deserves to be proud of themselves. We're all like equal worth, regardless of one person having abs and one person not or whatever. It's like we, we're we all of equal worth and everybody deserves to feel good about themselves. Well, and I think I made the mistake too, I, you know, last year is that I never really checked in with how my aesthetic goals or my fitness goals were making me feel emotionally and and mentally, right? Like I never, you know, we always check in the other way around. It's like, oh, physically, how am I doing? Like, is it, is my scale this way? My measurements this way? Like my gains this way? My PRs this way? Like we focus a lot on like, you know, the outcome and like, what are we getting from it instead of the other way where it's like, what is this actually doing to my mental state? What is this doing to like my emotional state? And like, until I realized that to check in on that side, I didn't realize what it was costing me right? This endless pursuit. I mean, we, we've talked about this before on other podcasts, like the, the overall, well, like fitness and wellness are supposed to benefit and like, and they're positive things. I'm not dissing on it at all, but I think there's also a cost that people don't realize is associated with it, especially if they're using fitness and health and weight loss as a way to like feel better about themselves. You don't realize like how much it costs you on the other end of it. Mm -hmm. And like all of those things are, are neutral, whether you CrossFit, whether you, whether you bodybuild, whether you spin or like these different things, it's not that doing one specific type of activity or one specific approach is going to leave you in a better mental place than another. It's about what is, what are your thoughts and beliefs and your motivations and how are you approaching it? And the positive thing about them too, like not to wax poetic about it forever, but it it does push you into like a crossroads where sometimes you get to like evaluate the direction of these goals and like what's Mm -hmm. important to you. It's like, I think there's this belief that if I'm not pursuing weight loss, I need to be pursuing muscle gains. And like, there's also an option to not be doing either and still enjoying fitness. And kind of we're at that crossroads right now. Like, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go with this? And it's interesting to be in this position where I feel like I have a lot of options. I just have to pick one, but then I'm a little paralyzed by like what to pick mm-hmm. because of sometimes knowing too much, right? Well, let's, like stay I have- let's stay with this like idea of having a goal and not having a goal. I will tell you right now, I am I'm enjoying my fitness more now and fitness and fitness and nutrition, whatever is under that sphere, more now than ever in my life. And I'm not in a cut. I'm not in a game. I'm not tracking as much. I don't have any aesthetic goals outside of like, you know, general directional growth, maybe, you know, maybe, but you mean maintaining your ultra jackness that naturally comes with everything. Okay. So that, that's a confounding variable. That's a huge, <laughs> confound, no, that's a, such a confounding variable. It's like saying like, I just want to maintain how constantly pretty I always am. Sticking <laughs> well, I just mean, it's, it's not, that's so fair though. That's so fair. And that's a, that is a bias of like, well, somebody might say, well, you already look really good. And so it's easy to get, to be okay with where you're at. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's a, it's a confounding variable, but I suppose I would even still stick with the fact that like I care a whole lot less about losing fitness. And again, you could say, all right, it's because you're coming from a high level of fitness. You you just look like a normal person then. Like, but honestly, there's this element of being able to enjoy your fitness. I think a lot of people having a goal is very helpful. It makes them enjoy it more. It gives them a tangible direction. It it centers them. Some structure is good. Totally. But there's there's the element of like, well, if you don't have that, if you're not hyper goal oriented, and you are totally lost and no enjoyment at all and it becomes a black hole without a goal i think that's also a little bit of like maybe that needs to be not addressed but maybe you need to sit with that and decide why am i like why can't i at least you know why can't i enjoy this outside of this such this heavy goal oriented nature so nat you had you had said like you're not in a place right now where you're like super hyper focused on a deficit or a surplus or hypertrophy or a pr and you know are you able to find joy in that That's a great question. So I think that I realized last year that a lot of, you know, because like I wasn't this um, aesthetic person, right? Like I wasn't like, like you and Heidi are like, you know, 
more than community pool jacked. And that was never, I think it took me a year or two to realize like that, that trajectory for me would require a lot. Right. And okay. Hey, easy with the hand signals. I'm Everyone who's listening, they're totally being patronizing right now. <laughs> no, I'm just you. saying, no. I'm just saying that like, there is a reality that comes when you, you start this, like, let's just be completely completely transparent. Okay. A lot of you will start lifting, thinking that you're going to have these incredible results in six months to a year. The truth of the matter is like three years, five years, six years, then you can start talking, you know, or even nine or 10. It's not an overnight thing. So it really comes down to like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Are you willing to put in the time? And are you willing to just be content with being only starting for like the first three years? Like, completely honest about just everything. I think people think they can accomplish a lot in three months. And while you can accomplish a lot in three months more than zero you're not all of a sure. sudden it was like this incredible transformation yeah. in that small amount of time and so then you start to weigh out like what is it fun for me am i enjoying this am i liking this is this something that i want to pursue do i want to keep going how important are biceps to me how important is a jacked back like do i need like crazy booty gains and stuff like that and so it took me a while to realize that like i don't know that i have the interest to pursue XYZ as long as I thought I did. Given the cost. And then you like, given the given cost. The, yeah, given the experience yeah. that you and, and, and it has nothing to do with my abilities. I'm right. plenty capable totally. of lifting freaking heavy, doing the work. And, and I think that's what I kind of realized. I could do the work really consistently and really, really well. And I'm not trying to just like brag my face off, but I have an incredible work ethic when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan and Heidi, you can oh, back yeah. me up. Totally. But was it did I get what I wanted for the work I put in and 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 do I want to continue doing that in order to see more of what I thought I was going to see? It's definitely a management of expectations, right? And so then there does come a point where it's a little bit of like a little bit of like a, a honeymoon phase is over. And it really does require a level of a grind that requires a commitment. Mm-hmm. And so then I struggle with like what I want, what I think <clears throat> I want, what I need what I should be doing, what Instagram wants for me, what Natalie technically should be doing with all the knowledge she has. And that's a tricky thing too. When you know too much, it's almost like, ah, crap. Like I know that CrossFit is not going to get me superior aesthetic results. I know what I, it's not optimal for hypertrophy, Jordan lips, but I enjoy it. But then at the same time, I know that I really want some aesthetics, obviously down the line. And I do want strength goals. So it's like right now I'm in this weird place and I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore because I kind of forgot it. <laughs> but it's more just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I I know that I still love barbell movements. I still love moving. I'm happy to do it. I just feel like I'm in a place that I don't, what is more important to me right now as a priority, that is what's tricky for me. Yeah. I don't, I think I told Heidi in the car this morning, I just don't want to get worse, (laughs) but maintaining what, building what, working towards what, I'm not sure. Is it, is it, it, is it a, place of like calm introspection where you're really thinking about this or is it is it do you feel sort of lost i mean what i what i'm thinking is like in every pursuit there's like a diminishing return you know there's like a place of uh exponential growth in the beginning so it's like newbie gains let's say and then newbie strength gains and all of that creates this honeymoon phase and then eventually you get to a point where you have to work more for less and i think it's not it's it's you'd have to say that that's a, another confounding variable in the way I'm feeling currently in my fitness where it's like I am maybe I'm feeling that way also maybe I'm enjoying this lack of goal-oriented because I know what would be in front of me were I to want to pursue more aesthetic gains just is no longer juice that juice that's worth the squeeze for me and so when you're thinking like okay I could get stronger I could in a binary sense but I'm not doubling any of my numbers in my lifetime you know I could get booty gains and more biceps but like I have to work really hard now for less and now kind of the the cost benefit of these goals is of a different value that I have to decide if it's worth it or not. And so do you feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's a negative side of it, like a Debbie Downer side of it when you're like been goal oriented for a long time. And all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> you've lost that like drive to be goal oriented. But I, I think that there, it's an opportunity to like come out on the other side with like a new chapter of your fitness relationship with fitness that is also really can also be really great. But is it, I don't know I don't hate to put you on the spot, but like, is it like something that's like you're like working through right now? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm fully transparent with it. I think what's interesting is, you know, we're talking like with what you've said, what I've said, and, and and of course I would love Heidi to hear Heidi's thoughts too, but I think there's this weird thing that out there in the sphere, people are like, well, you're allowed to do this right now. Like you've worked so hard, Jordan Lips. You've worked so hard, Heidi, you know, like you're allowed to take these kind of breaks. Like the rest of us are not allowed to. I think people don't allow themselves to be like, what do I really want? And it's also okay to not have these crazy, like, I think, you know, the, especially the new year brings it out of people like, oh, I have to have these crazy fitness goals. Like I want to like get my Spartan trifecta, you know, I want to <laughs> like, you know, this, this, and this, or you could just be like, 
right now I'm just enjoying moving this incredible body that I have while I figure it out. And so in a Debbie Downer sense, yeah, does it feel a little weird to not be like actively chasing something on a, on a feverish pace and a feverish level? But I also think, yes, but I also think I've also burnt myself out thinking that, I mean, for the longest time, even my step goal was something that would like, like create this kind of dissonance in me, right? Just like, I mean, you know this, Jordan. And like the last month I've been like, why don't we just look at your average for the week, Nat? It's okay if like you have a 9,000 day or a 7,000 day, like your overall average is still fine. And so like finding these flexible places for myself, I mean, and, and then there's definitely that argument like, oh, well, you're giving yourself too many free passes. You're, you're letting yourself go. Like you're making excuses for yourself. It's like, really, am I? Or am I also seeing the larger picture of like my overall life and realizing that I cannot maintain that level of intensity forever? I like <clears throat> I I it's not surprising it's once again Nat and I are yin and yang here <clears throat> I wish I could go back through everything that you said and like pause it and commentary and pause it because there's so many parallels I feel like to what I've been going through the last few years which you know my physical results I, I did respond faster I think than a lot of people right like arms and shoulders and whatever and it's and it was great to get that kind of validation and attention. And it really, like on the one on the one sense, it was like really confidence building and like amazing to show myself like through hard work, I could transform somewhat, right? But on the other hand, I think there was a part of me that was fueled by perfectionism and like, oh, that worked out great. So let's fix, let's keep fixing. Like what else can we fix? What else can we fix? And, you know, it sort of uh, speaks to a little, you know, kind of, how my personality is driven being people pleaser and all that kind of stuff. And, um, while maybe Nat's hit this breaking point with, you know, exercise and, and body acceptance, I think I've hit the same place with, you know, negative emotions and emotional acceptance, right? Like there comes this point with, they call it the healing trap where you hit a point, this part of yourself that doesn't want to be fixed because that's, the reason it's wounded. And it's just the time where you've got to, you've got to learn in order to move forward. You've got to learn unconditional acceptance, right? Like I, I build your tolerance for negative emotion, have your own back, be self-supportive, um, really identify that inner critic, learn to tell the difference between your inner critic and who you really want to be. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about your overall average of steps, like my overall overall average of person, maybe including my mistakes and mis mistreatment and forgetting and all the things I suck at. My overall average, like I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good, right? And like to to really come to that place of you know, are they excuses or or are they reasons? Like, is it a burnout or is it a breakthrough? Right? I mean, it's all about your perspective. That's, all right, I want to know all your thoughts. Hold on, that's super good. Is it is it a burnout or a breakthrough? That's good shit. That's some <laughs> good shit right there. I like that. Um, yeah, that's really good. It's a part of me that was like, how do I how do we reconcile the person who's listening to this and thinks that we're having very privileged conversation as three people who are objectively fit? And so that part is like kind of making me uncomfortable. Of like, mm -hmm. how do we reconcile that? Um, and and there are people out here who just like are very goal oriented and are very excited about it, and then hear a conversation about three people who are like finding this burnout slash breakthrough moment of not being goal oriented, but have, you know, have had the objective benefit of, you know, objective from the outside looking in of the benefit of being goal oriented for a long time. We, we all look objectively really great. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's that part of me that like was made a little uncomfortable by that. Just, just, I don't want that to, you know, is there, is that a confounding moment of like, okay, yeah, we, we get to feel this way, or I think that it's not that, um, but it's, it's partially that if we're being honest. And so maybe there's, I don't know. It's tricky. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want that to be how we all just came off. Not that I think anybody who knows us knows that that's not where our heart is. And but yeah, that's tricky. Like, well, how do we reconcile that? How do? What about the person who's not in? You know, uh, not where they'd like to be in their health and maybe fitness mm -hmm. and wants to be goal oriented. Like, you know, I think full power to you. And, and I think it all would still just come back to what we said in the beginning is like, are you having fun with it? Is it adding to your life, or are you doing it to plug up a hole, or are you doing it to feel feel objectively good in your life um and so that's i don't know that i don't know where i'm going with that too much I do. well 
I agree. And I think, and I, I totally agree with you. Like, and, and go with that, like explore your life. I mean, Nat and I are, are fitness converts. We're six years into this, but this was not even remotely a part of either one of our identities for the first 36 years of our lives. So definitely go with that, but don't be surprised if at some point you hit this, you hit a wall where you, you know, there's flaws you can't fix or there's flaws you don't want to fix. And that will be the place where you will have to face accepting yourself or you're going to be jumping up on that hedonistic treadmill and spending the rest of your life there, right? Trying to control, trying to, you know, all of these different things. And if you have the energy for that, good luck. I think maybe like the like kind of roundabout statement for like the three things. I, I do like what you said, Jordan. It's like for people who are like maybe in their mind air quote, not there yet. And thank you for including me in your guys's little crew of, of fitness thing. But then also like people who are super, super driven and like focused and whatever. And they're like, well, this will never happen to me kind of thing. Right. Or like what's going on with these people? Like, you know, maybe whatever. they have no childhood trauma. Right. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I think part of it is, it's like, if you look big picture, you're allowed to feel everything. And I think that that's what people need to understand. Like there, you might be in a place that you're air quote, not there yet, but if you might not be there for another four or five, six years, you can take your time getting there. Like, I think there's this like desire, like, oh, I got to be fixed right now. Or I got to get to this place where I'm super fit, like right this second. It's like you times and seasons are also part of it too, right? Like I think if you don't honor that, then yeah, you're always going to feel behind. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't actually feel behind right now, which is really, really ironic about the whole thing. I don't feel like everyone's like running past me. It's like, I'm just like in a place where I like get to figure out for the first time, maybe in six years, like. I don't have this responsibility to Instagram to look a certain way anymore. Or if I do, you're following the wrong page. It's not, it's not for me. <laughs> right. But at the same time, on the other side, it's like, I also want people to see that like your goals can feel good to you no matter what they look like. And you don't have to always be chasing weight loss or always be building muscle, be bettering yourself. Like spend a lot of time in your head. There's a lot of growth there too. And it's just like, maybe the overarching thing is like, you are allowed to be wherever you are right now. Like yes. whether you're cranking out and busting goals and you have 15 and you're PR your face off and that's freaking so fun and exciting. Or you're like, Hey, for the first time, I'm actually going to like work on my mental health this year. And I'm going to see a therapist for the first time in my entire life, because I'm so tired of being a puddle of emotion all the time and not knowing what to do about it. Like that is also allowed. Like you could take any goal you want off the table. They're yours. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. We're on a good, like one question per 30 minutes here. So we're doing really, great. <laughs> uh, really, really racking through these. So uh, well, it's funny because I think you and I have like messaged about talking about how like, like something about like maybe why your goals are not what they think they are or something like we had maybe back in the day, like yeah. consider that as like a topic. topic. And I think it eventually kind of went there, but sure. Let's get into like a regular question. <laughs> <laughs> back to creatine. Back to yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Jordan. <laughs> if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life what would it be um yeah i had a funny an- i guess my brain went to like funny answers to this question but a, pra- a real practical answer would probably be uh uh heel elevated hex bar deadlift if we're being very practical if just because if we had to take an exercise that probably is like every single thing that you, like the most dense in terms of amount of muscles that you're using and good for health and works from the you know your back and your you know some element of legs and all this stuff and then i would pick that you have to that's like not as fun an answer as i wanted to give i was gonna say calf raises but like no probably definitely not uh, i was gonna say thrusters and then overhead squat um no i'm just kidding don't be ridiculous terrible fiber too um yeah, but probably heal of a hex bar deadlift just because like you have like one exercise that you can get hit like every single muscle in the body to some degree what about even 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 upper well, just enough like fun- like quote quote unquote functional of like okay. my back and 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 you know my legs. If I had to pick muscle groups, ranking them from like I guess they're all quote unquote functional, but they would pick one exercise that had to at least encompass as many things as possible. It would be that exercise, um, and so that's like really high output exercise. That like if I was like if I think about the kind of person I want to be when I'm like 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, it's like the kind of person who can still hex bar deadlift and like uh, can get into that position with strong lower back strong glutes um st- strong enough grip to like hold on to stuff versus grips if you need them though but um and so yeah that's probably what i what i would do yeah that and yeah that's an excellent answer it is you um I'm, mine's not going to be nearly that responsible just back squatting <laughs> because yeah, i good. like it and i'm Great. good at it and oh, those are awesome. reasons that are really important to me oh, yeah. that's awesome yeah yeah <laughs> 
So then I was trying to find the roundabout way to be like exercise modality is really what it was because one exercise for the rest of my life, that's a really hard question. And I know this is okay. So to go from Jordan's ultra specific, really intelligent answer to Heidi's like really smart answer, mine is just going to be walking. I love oh, that. fine. Cheater. <laughs> Whatever. Cheater. <laughs> Sneaker punch right there. That's a good one. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you win. Is that what you wanted to hear? Uh, go. Yeah. See, I'm still competitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Farmers walking. Yeah. No, 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 that's good, yeah. Okay, fine. Um, okay, but like modality wise, of course, lifting. It's mm-hmm. always going to be lifting. There's never going to be an exercise that trumps that your whole life. Yep. Like good for. Um, 10 to 90, it's always going to be strength training, guys. So that would be it. Yeah. All right. You go next. Okay. Um, ooh, okay. Uh, why is restriction feeling so much easier? I'm finding balance and maintenance requires more discipline and consistency. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. We find this to be so common. Um, I've, I'm not exactly sure all of the reasons, but just to barf out a few, um, I think that uh, cutting is women are more used to it, women are more conditioned to it. It feels like more purpose, feels like you're getting something tangible for it, like you're, you can um, see the dividends maybe of it, like it, it feels like it's accumulating towards something. Whereas maintenance, it's like, what that, what's that all the time and energy just to stay the same? Like, why would you do that? Because people love restriction. They love the dopamine hits of the pings of the scale. They love to punish themselves because they don't believe that they're deserving of more. It's like it go, it supports every single negative thought you've ever had about yourself in, in like a positive light, right? It's like, (laughs) Oh, I'm not eating because I don't deserve to. You know, like I'm getting weight loss, which I find value in. And then also like restrict, 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 which means that I'm bettering myself because I'm going without. Right. Right. So that's the only way to better yourself is to sacrifice, to be uncomfortable, to be miserable in some way. Um, And the thing that's, if you really like lean into maintenance, it totally unravels all of those things. Right. It's um, to consistently feed yourself the amount of food you like deserve (laughs) is can really have an, it had a huge impact on my self-esteem. Yeah. Those are all amazing. You said it way better than I would have, but there's my first thought was like, it's just people are afraid of gaining weight. And so restriction is for sure not gaining weight. When you are restricting, you are definitively, you can go put the head on the pillow and sleep and know that you're not gaining weight. Cause we're so mm-hmm. afraid of that, that when you are restricting, you know that that's not happening. But when you're in, uh, don't say that like, Jordan, people are going to be like, Oh, <gasps> He said it. I can do it. Right. It's fucked up. up. And there's like, you know, when you're at maintenance, you're like not sure if that's happening. And the skin Mm -hmm. go up very gently. So there's like, uh, I don't know if you guys lost me for a sec there. Yes, we did. Yeah, it's on back. So like when you're at maintenance, people are like, well, I'm not sure if that's happening. I might be gaining. uh, The scale's up a little bit. Maybe I gained a little water. And so there's this, it just goes down to like this fear of weight gain. And when you're restricting, you know that that's not happening. And when you're, you know, somebody tells you to eat more, then all of a sudden we're associating this with, well, I might be gaining weight. And that brings me this entire huge fear. Um, You know, whether it's somebody who's lost weight prior and is afraid of going back to where they were or somebody who like really wants to lose weight and so not trying to lose weight feels weird because they're like well i have to lose weight i'm you know i'm i'm overweight let's say um and so there's this like general fear of weight gain and general like excitement and like you said dopamine hit of seeing the scale go down of like this feels right this is what i should be doing um (laughs) it's sad it's sad it's true it happens across the board you guys deal with this every day every single person is like way more gung-ho as i was thinking about a tweet that i was trying to write the other day and it's like um i am ecstatic when i have clients who are not excited to go into a cut that to me is like the ultimate coach's dream where i'll have clients totally. who are like you know i actually am i'm not i'm kind of nervous about that. i'm nervous to have less food holy fucking shit i'm so excited about that i'm nervous to have less food you you know what you're nervous you're not guess what you're not excited to be hungry what a novel yeah. concept like and is, it's go ahead. you'll be able to tell the difference yeah i just love i just like if you have a client comes to you it goes, i'm thinking of what up jess and it's like just <laughs> recently like i know her cuts like starting soon and she's not looking forward to it and that is Oh my God, that's so powerful. Like you shouldn't be, 
nah, you shouldn't be so f- afraid of this. I don't want anybody to be fearing anything, but like you shouldn't be like super psyched about your cut and super intensely afraid of the reverse. Now, it might happen if you're not experienced, you don't have a coach with you, it's fine that it happens. But like, man, when I have a client who's like, telling me they're not excited to go into a cut because they don't they because they like how good they feel now and how good their life is now and they don't want to let that go and that's a big win for me as a coach 100 percent. oh well and it's like talking about being successful in every single phase it's like once you've been in maintenance truly and experienced it you realize that like you dread cutting like you understand that you need to do it for a result like i think all three of us are fully aware of that but the coolest part about being in maintenance and getting to that place is you're like do I have to? Do I really need to? Do I really want this bad enough? Like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Totally. And then that power and that decision alone makes your deficit that much more powerful and that much more effective because you're like, let's just get in and get out. And you respect the effort, like the the amount of effort it takes instead of instead of it being like dilly dallying around like. <laughs> right, right. Or just thinking like. I mean, how many, how many women blame themselves for like a lack of willpower when they've been in a deficit for months or years? It's like that kind of deprivation does build up. Nobody has the willpower to withstand that and realizing like, yes, cuts are, cuts are difficult. And if that isn't, if a calorie deficit, deficit isn't a total contrast to the way you normally live, then you haven't truly experienced maintenance. And as Nat will say, you haven't truly met yourself either because it does cutting calories does have very real physical and emotional ramifications. Like it, it affects your, you know, it makes you feel terrible, low energy affects your libido, your ability to sleep, ability to recover, which colors the kind it colors and informs your mindset, right? If you're not feeling super good, it's really easy to get to give way to negative thoughts and beliefs and practice those patterns. Right. So awesome. So we've got two questions that are kind of like in the same kind of vein. So maybe we can just do those real quick. So in a cut, should you still be pro- doing progressive overload as usual or dial back due to low calories, Jordan? Yeah, your 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 uh, your program should be written in a way where it's set up in a way where you can ha- you should be able to make progressions from week one to week five. Let's say, for example, you should be doing more in week one, in week five, than you do in week one. But that's a twofold answer. Not to go too deep into this, but like regardless of calories, you should be getting your program. You should be beginning your program with slightly easier training, whether that's some reduction in volume or not going all the way or very close to failure. You know, generally speaking, you start with relatively easier, still hard, but relatively easier training. And you progress towards harder training, usually just via trying harder, like going closer to failure over time. And so on week one, if you're in a cut, maybe you're doing hundred pounds for 10 reps on week Five, you should be doing 100 for more than 10 reps. And that's not necessarily because you're getting so much stronger. It's because you left room in the tank purposefully in the beginning. So this idea of like, should I be progressively overloading my cut? Absolutely, because you should be setting yourself up for that by leaving some element of room in the tank in that first week for room to progress across the mesocycle. Are you going to hit like... Uh, is that progression going to be as steep with less calories? No, you 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 might ha- find that you're more likely to match previous week's efforts. You might find that like where you might have added you know five pounds, maybe you add two and a half pounds. So the trajectory of gain is going to be lower. But you should absolutely end your mesocycle doing more than you started. Now, do you want to call that progressive overload, or do you want to just call that good programming that tells you to try harder over the mesocycle? Whatever. <laughs> um, it's a combination of both of those things. And so, the, I mean, more, more more people should be concerned with the latter of like, should I be doing more at the end than the beginning? Yes, but the way you do that is also by doing slightly less in the beginning to leave room for your ability to progressively overload. Your ability to overload week to week isn't coming down to the calories that you eat. It's That's one factor, but also by the fact that let's say you're doing a two RIR this week and maybe next week's a one RIR, you should be able to do more because I'm telling you to try harder. So TLDR, you should be seeing progression <sighs> over the course of the mesocycle, but not as much as you would have seen with more calories. Uh, but yeah, you should definitely be doing more over time. It's interesting. That's a principle that I think that you could apply to pretty much every aspect of going into a cut, right? Like a lot of people set themselves up great in the beginning, but then they forget that like, you know, like week one, you have all your meals planned, everything, everything, everything set up, but it's going to get harder, right? Whether you're increasing your steps, whether you're increasing the weight you're lifting, it is going to get harder. And are you setting yourself up for success in that regard? Right. 
Yeah. And also depending on like on your body fat percentage, you could still totally PR in a deficit. Mm-hmm. Just and if you're a newbie, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, newbie, yeah. I just, whatever. Newbie is like, if you're not super advanced, <sighs> you guys are still making strength gains. Like this is like, yeah. you shouldn't be running to the ground to the point where you can't even match what you did and you're regressing week to week. Something's up if you're doing that. Yeah. Dude. Uh, same thing with hitting your calories, <laughs> right? <laughs> so then it'll go right into when cutting after maintenance, is it better to lower calories gradually or all at once or does it matter? So we'll start. Our opinion is I would just go all at once. I think a lot of times people like they don't want anything about their life to change. So <laughs> when you feel that way, nothing really changes. I mean, the whole point is to get into a deficit. So if you're starting at 10% because like you're scared, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. <laughs> like rip off the bandaid, just get into there. I think a lot of times people don't cut deep enough and then they have like a deficit mindset with zero results. And then they're like, I've been grinding at this for like weeks and I don't see anything. It's like, well, yeah, that's because you're basically at low in maintenance. Mm-hmm. So just like get into it. If you want to lose weight, get into your deficit. But that's just me. I totally agree. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, just clarifying. I don't think you mean get into the lowest calories you could go. No, 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 no. But, but I mean, 20, 25, 30%, something like that. Right. I think you should not tiptoe by a very slow margin from your maintenance to your deficit, you should do a big chunk. And I suppose a very general way of saying is for me, when I set your calories, I want to be sure that that is a deficit. I don't want to set it at a number that I'm not sure is a deficit. And then I also want you to, it be enough of a deficit where you have enough tangible feedback that you can fuel off of a little bit, you know, it's like a hundred calorie deficit, technically a deficit, but it's so small. We, A, might not even know that that's a deficit or B, it's so small that we might even not be able to de- detect it. Um, and so should, you should jump all the way to something that is for sure a deficit and meaningful enough that you get some tangible uh, benefit. Now, the from there, like gradual decreases make some sense for sure. Well, of um, course. And so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a lot of people think that like because they've been thinking about counting macros or thinking about exercise that it, it counts the same. It, like it doesn't. Like you can obsess about macros all day long, but you still got to count them, track them do them. Yeah. It's like, totally. And while we want you to cut at the highest amount of calories you can to see progress, like, don't forget that second part to see progress, right? (laughs) Like it's, 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 it's got a pinch if you, I mean, a lot of times, yeah. And a lot of times people do like they cut a 10% and then they they believe that they're in a deficit and they're really working hard. Like they're in a deficit and they're like, where are my results? It's like, well, yeah, you have a cutting mindset at maintenance calories, which a lot of people do anyways. Yeah. Right. Your turn. My turn. Um, okay. I have two different ones. Let's do, I have two, a lot of people, I think they know that, that I'm not saying we have different opinions on this, but I think that I get that I have three people who ask this question. So they asked some, some permutation of, uh, basically counting protein and calories versus counting the macros and like, why might it be okay to just count protein and calories? And so, um, I actually want to ask you guys a different question and, I'm going to, I'm going to ask it to you. Then I'm going to answer the question. You guys think about your answer. Like what would be the pros of counting all the macros is the question I'm going to ask you guys. I'm not saying you guys are the, the cornerstone of making everyone count all the macros. Of course not. Um, but you guys, (laughs) this is not like that's, you guys aren't like, um, so set on that, that you don't allow clients to do anything else. I know that. I know that, but you guys probably have more people count all the macros than me. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I'll start by saying that like from a fat loss perspective, every study that's ever been done that equates for protein and calories has come out with the exact same amount of fat loss. And so calories by themselves are going to decide how much weight you lose or gain. Protein to some degree can skew that number, but very, very small, almost negligible, but it will have a meaningful effect on like lean body mass muscle retention. And so when we talk about counting calories and protein, we say we're going to count our calories because that's the thing that's going to affect the scale, not carbs, not fat, or at least fat loss, not carbs, not fat. And then we're going to count protein too, one for satiety, but also because chances are that the person listening to this podcast is at least like reasonably interested in some amount of having muscle. And so we're going to count protein too, because that's super meaningful. We're probably not going to count carbs and fats, not because, not because eating enough carbs and eating enough fats is not important. It is. Um, but I would say at least that you at least have to, you have to ask yourself the question of, you know, counting calories, most meaningful amount of effort you can put in. Like the, the amount of effort you put into counting calories has the biggest return because that's by, that is going to be the thing that changes what you weigh. And then you look at the other three macros and you're like, all right, which, which counting, which of these gives me the biggest return on my effort investment? Well, protein, definitely bar none from a satiety and from a muscle building slash retention perspective. And then counting the carbs and counting the protein outside of their, their contribution to the calories, which you're already counting. They're not super meaningful. Now they're, 
I'll, I'm going to throw it to you guys and, and, and have a discussion of like, okay, well, then why count the macros at all? Or who might that maybe that's right for or circumstances where it's important. So you guys can take that. We'll just keep this as an ongoing conversation. Um, well, I, to- I don't disagree with you in any sense. I think um, when we first started, the the emphasis was certainly on counting all three, right? And we still, um, you know, we, when we do macro numbers, we still give people protein, fat, and carbs, but we definitely emphasize that protein and calories are most important. And I think one of the main reasons that we do that is for simplicity in my fitness pal, because um, trying to keep clients out of like a negative spin, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I, what this says I'm supposed to put in all three? Like, so it gives them something to put in, right? Um, but also, I think um, for being well versed in in macros and sort of being able to like comprehend what you're doing, looking at a label, I think it can have some, it can help to just have a, a ballpark to learn, um, idea. To learn what foods are higher yeah. in fats and carbs. I think that that's a legitimate thing to, if you're not paying attention totally. to it, then you, you might just think an avocado is a high calorie, low protein food and not really know that it has, you know, a high amount of fat, let's say, for example. So I, there's an educational perspective. Definitely agree. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And just moving, you know, hopefully eventually, eventually kind of not feeling super tied to my fitness pal or whatever app. Um, but I totally agree with you that it is really helpful and important for, for clients to get out of that or anyone, um, counting macros to get out of that all or nothing perspective. Like, Oh my gosh, especially how my fitness pal is like, Oh, you're way too high on this and always has to do it in red and be so like kind of shitty about it. Do you really want to have that much sugar? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Or this has more than your, yeah. like, this is 22 grams of fat. <laughs> your goal is it. Are you sure? It's like, gosh, easy. Ask me. I know. So yeah, that's, that's. That's my perspective. I mean, again, most of your results are going to come from protein and calories. And even back in the day, we would give people a range like plus or minus five. And we still we still abide by that. But you can also for simplicity, protein and calories. I mean, you can't you can't really beat it. Just having like a calorie range for sure and hitting your protein. Well, and just to kind of tag on a little bit, because obviously, amen, sister friend. um, (laughs) I think what I like is also gives you and kind of we touched a little bit about this is it gives you perspective on the foods that you eat. I think that uh, for me personally, like I definitely was eating a very high fat, high carb diet, but definitely higher in fats and like a little bit lower in carbs. And so I think that there's a perspective of just awareness of like what things cost and what food groups things fall into. I also think what's nice about it is that for people who have been notoriously scared of eating carbohydrates, it proves that like you can have carbohydrates and lose weight. And the same in respect, like the, the, you know, the keto, the keto crowd, right? Like you can have like lower fats and still lose weight. And I also think what's important too, is that depending on what generation you came from, whether it's the eat no carbs, eat low fat, fat free, everything, can be really helpful, I think, for those people to get a little bit of a perspective of like the beauty of the balance of eating all three together. And let's be also honest, all the most delicious foods in the world are balance of all three. <laughs> like some of the greatest things like pizza. Oh, yeah. Pizza is incredibly balanced. <laughs> I mean, arguably, right, depending on your numbers. But I think I like that because I, there's definitely I like that it supports against like diet culture narratives as far as like the low carb fads or like the high or stay away from these or yeah, like fruit is bad for you. And like, you know, like whatever. So that I like as well, but we definitely have taught both sides to what Heidi said. Definitely all three heavy in the front protein and cows. Great. And you know, honestly, at the end of the day, like I like people just knowing that there's like levels and options of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And depending on your goals, like I want people to understand the importance of carbohydrates, you Mm -hmm. know, and then hormone health, importance of fats. So we've definitely seen people come through with numbers with like 25 fat, 30 fat. Like I don't even want people to think that that's something that they should be like living around. Right. Totally. So, yeah, I think you guys nailed it. I think the nailed it. I think education is, is a big one. Like, you know, again, not mutually exclusive. It's not like you can't, I think you guys said it best because you're like, okay, we're going to have people give them the macros. We're also going to give you alongside of that, like an education of like, Hey, in the hierarchy of things, you hit protein and calories, the rest of the stuff, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but they are less Dude, important. You just hit calories and you're going to have totally. weight loss, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and if we're talking about muscle building, the training stimulus just for everyone listening is 10,000 times more important than your protein number. Um, you, you No amount of protein can undo lack of a training stimulus. And, and, oh, and so and glad it, you said that. Well, and no so amount of protein point. is going to build you muscle if you're not doing anything to yeah, build it. Yes. And you can build a ton of muscle on suboptimal protein numbers. People think of it as this like, black and white switch of like, I'm under, I'm under my protein. It's like, okay, but you, being under on your 
I'm underneath my one gram per pound prescription. Like you're still good, man. Like you could build muscle on point. You could build a ton of muscle on 0.5 grams per pound. Like, um, and so it's yes, we're optimizing your protein. Yeah, it's not yeah. like short of that. You're totally. screwed. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then, totally. and then the, the best reason I think not the best, but my favorite reason is when you have a client who's if left. So I, my argument would be that on average, most people, if left to their own devices, would um, be able to hit minimum fat and carb requirements without thinking about it ever. And so it's like, okay, if I can get this person to hit those minimum requirements and focus on the things that maybe have a bigger return, at least at this point, then we can find a better balance with just protein and calories. But if you have a client who wouldn't, if left to their own devices, eat a minimum requirement of those things, who would go super low in carbs, super low in fat via maybe a default food preference, but also mostly because of this fear factor of like, well, I'm not going to, I can't have rice, you know, I can't have oil, you know? Um, and so I love that. I think that that's something I've used several times with clients coming out of keto. Great example. People come out of keto. I'm we're going high carb. You know, we're not going high carb, but like I'm I'm shoveling a bagel in your face and proving you to you that this isn't going to be the end of 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 the world. And so um, I love that. I think that that's great. I, I will. I've come around actually a little bit on. You know, I, I at first was like very black and white. I'm like, we're never going to count them. We're not going to look at them. We don't care because I would still stand by the fact that 99% of people will eat a minimum enough on average. Sometimes you have a low fat day. It's okay. Fat works on average. Um, but you know, being able to at least take a look at it. And so if I'm looking at food diaries with people and we're looking on zoom, I'll be like, Hey, let's pull up your, like just your average real quick and just look and say, Hey, on average, this is how many carbs you're eating, how many fats you're eating. This is something we might want to look at. And so it's usually not something that we're going to address a ton, but it's something that is like, you shouldn't forget that they exist. Um, and I like the education side of things of like, you should know which foods are kind of high in which, um, and it also might help over the long term to like, I have clients who have experimented with different eating patterns and eventually been like, Hey, I like this slightly lower carb eating pattern or I just like this slightly mm -hmm. who knew I like this way more carb eating pattern which is everybody carbs are delicious but um <laughs> but yeah so I think that that's really cool I think a lot of people ask that I think at the end of the day fat loss and body comp is going to come down 95 percent to your protein and calories but there's still yep. there's still indirect benefits of of counting slash learning about slash recognizing slash keeping an eye on all of them well, I mean, I definitely would encourage them to count all three before I would tell them to sink a bunch of money in a bunch of supplements, you know, yeah. I mean? as far as like what's going to help you overall or be educational or like well-being wise. It's like, why don't we like spend a little bit more time about like what kind of foods we're eating overall than like if we should have like beta alanine. Yeah. <laughs> get, get super tingly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right, dudes. I got it. I just called you dudes. Um, uh, That's okay. Hello, friends. We are going to need to call it. I have more important things. No, I'm just kidding. I have, oh, <laughs> I have a call. Yeah. I have a call in a minute. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Ouch, Jordan. Let's, we're really going to end it on that. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Okay, no, so now we just love. have to shop for new um, friend guys on Instagram since he has better things to do. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> they will Thanks too. Thanks a lot, so Jordan Lips most Fitness. Most of the ones you find will have better things to do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Wow. What is happening? Is, um, we're going to cut. We were so vulnerable with you. In this light. I'm just being, I'm just joking. All right. Okay. Listen, love you guys. We'll talk soon. And I'm going to, I don't know, whatever. I'll chop it up. Everyone knows where to find you. You're good. This is both our podcasts anyway. All right. I know. Seriously. All right. Peace. Bye. Oof, you made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at Butter Your Macros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>